Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. I know we have lots of visitors with us here today, so if we have never met, my name is Meredith. Uh, my husband and I have the incredible privilege of leading this church, leading this body of believers, and I'm just really excited about what God is doing in our midst today. I have a message that I believe uh, he brought to me to speak to you, and today is a, a message for, I think, the, the normal days of your life, for the planes of your life. What does that mean? It means that I love to preach to us about what we do in the midst of a storm. I love to preach to us about how we hold on to our faith when the storms come, when the unexpected comes in the midst of our life. And I love to preach to us about what we do on the mountaintop. Last week we talked about can we stand in success? when you have your victory moments, when you reach the thing that you've been praying for, when God delivers the thing, the thing that you've been believing for and stretching your faith, can we stand on those mountaintop moments as well? And the storms and the mountaintops, they make up a good part of our life, but the truth is the majority of our days are lived somewhere in between. Somewhere in the midst of, it's not really a storm and it's not really a mountaintop. I'm just kind of in between. It's just a regular Wednesday. And what do I do in the midst of the regular Wednesdays of my life? What do I do in the plains in between? What do I do in the middle space between that? And I think today, as we bridge this space between, I want us to just look at what do we do in between? So to kick us off, why don't you tell somebody or ask somebody next to you, what is it that you're holding on to? If you like to take notes, you can go ahead and write that at the top because that's gonna be the top, or that's gonna be the title of today's message. What are you holding on to? I'm gonna start off looking at a verse in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and today I wanna to read it from the message version. So it'll be Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. I don't know about you, but sometimes I love the way the message version just says it plainly. It starts off and it says, so let's do it. Come on. I feel like you just have to stop right there because you have spent the beginning of this year preparing yourself, consecrating your life, to use a churchy term about it, setting yourself apart and saying, God, I am prepared and ready. And so as we step into a fresh month, I just want to say to you, so let's do it. Let's do this full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. What are you holding on to? He always keeps his word. So let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and in helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. 
Are we spurring each other on in our worship? Are we spurring each other on in our gathering? Who is with you on your couch at home today as you join together to worship? Who have you invited to come into the room with you? Are we spurring each other on and joining in the worship, especially, especially as we see the day approaching? What are you holding on to? Father God, I thank you that you are here with us today. I thank you that you've already done so much in the midst of us. I ask you to speak through me. I ask you to speak to us. I ask you to change us, to form us, to make us more like you, Jesus, and to teach us what it is we should hold on to. So the year is 2011, end of 2011, getting ready to step into 2012. I am on a trip to Japan with my soon-to-be husband, Philip, to visit his brother and his wife who were living in Japan at the time as part of a church plant. And we have all decided, our whole sibling group, that the way we are rolling in 2012 is through a snowboarding trip in Japan together. Now, I grew up in the Midwest, so I am prepared for a snowboarding trip. I have the appropriate gear. I have, in fact, been snowboarding before. I know what this activity is about and am prepared to not fully embarrass myself in front of my soon-to-be brother and sister-in-law. Very good. However, I have been living in Australia for the past two years and its sunny shores, so I have not, in fact, seen much snow over the past two years, but that is not a problem for me. We get there, we get to the slopes, we get on, we get on the little lift thing, which I don't know why they don't have better plans for yet, but that is still what we are using is these archaic lifts. We sit down, we close the thing, we're going up, up. I am totally prepared for this. I have done this before in my life, no worries. As we get closer, I can see the next couple people in front of us are now getting off of the lift. So we do what you do if you've been on this. You lift up the bar, even though you are hundreds of feet in the air. We lift up the bar. We prepare ourselves to get off. Hold on. I'm snowboarding, so I've got one piece. I'm not skiing. I scoot sideways so I can dismount from the lift. I am fully prepared for my exit. Here I go. I go to slide off. I'm sliding. We're making great progress. However, something in my brain tells me this lie that I should not let go of the chair because it is creating some stability in my life in this moment. And so even though my feet are going forward, my hand won't let go of the chair and I keep holding on to the chair keeps moving because that's what it does. It just goes in circles and circles. And so now I'm holding on to this chair. I try to reach for my soon-to-be husband to try and gain some stability from him. He shakes me off so as not to all also be taken down by me. And before I know it, I have tumbled all the way to the ground. Why do all of my stories this year involve me falling? I'm hoping this is not going to be a theme for 2022. There I am sliding. I am full frontal and literally crawling my way out of the way so that the people behind me don't fall on me as well. Something went terribly wrong in my dismount. The thing that went terribly wrong is that I kept holding on to the chair because I thought that it was providing me safety and security when in fact it was time for me 
to let go of it so I could move into the next space that I was going into. So I go back to my question, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to at the beginning of 2020 that you think is offering you safety and security but in fact is throwing you off balance? What is it that you are holding on to because it feels like comfort, but it is actually causing you harm? What is it that you are holding on to because you're afraid to lose it, but in holding on to it so tightly, you are losing the thing that you want more. You are losing the thing that God made you for. You are losing the space that he created you for. There is somewhere else that he is waiting to just let you glide into if you would just let go of the last space that you found security. So often we hold on to the things that we think are going to provide comfort for us. So often we hold on to the places that we think we are going to be able to gain stability from. We find things on our own accord that we think this will be the thing that stabilizes me. This will be the thing that offers me strength. This will be the thing that offers me support. This will be the thing that I hold on to with all we grip onto it. And in doing so, we send ourselves off balance and colliding forward and make colossal fools of ourselves <laughs> with others watching when we could have just let go of it. We're going to walk through several portions of scripture today because I think that there are different areas that we go into and that we try to hold on to something that God is saying, I want you to let go of that thing. When we hold on to something, we're often proving that our trust is in the thing more than it is in our creator. That our trust is in that space or that person or that thing or that outcome more than it is in the God who created it. We are saying, let me just hold on to this. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna give you several references of scripture. What I would love for you to do if you wanna dig deeper is to write them down and go through later this week and read through them. Read the full passages or if you're in your groups together, go back through and pick one of them to dive into. If you don't wanna do any of that or if it's your first time, I'm gonna talk us through them as we go through together. But I'm just gonna give you a couple of things to write down. Write down Mark 10, 17 through 27. You can write down John 5. <laughs> Whoa, it's too fast. <laughs> Mark 3, 31 through 35. And the last one is Mark 7. These are the references for the stories that we're getting ready to walk through. I'm going to tell you the story, but like I said, if you want to jump deeper into it, if you want a deeper dive, you can go back later this week and read through this on your own. The first one there in Mark 10 is the story of this rich, young ruler. That's what the Bible refers to him as. And this rich, young ruler is an upright, upstanding young man. And he comes to Jesus and he's asking him these questions. What do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus asks him questions and he says, I've done all of those things. I've ticked all of the boxes. I've, I've lined up my entire life. And Jesus says, all right and sell everything that you have and come and follow me. Let go of all 
of your wealth and take hold of me, is what Jesus says to him. Now, this isn't necessarily a story about Jesus saying that wealth in itself is is a detriment to our salvation. What he is proving to the man is that he was more willing to hold on to his wealth than he was to Jesus. And I would say even more than his wealth, his status. The status that comes with wealth. The tables you can buy yourself entry into with wealth. The way that people moved for him when he walked down the road. The access that he had to the ears of those who made decisions because of the purse that he carried. And this young man looks at Jesus and he says, I can't do that. I can't go sell everything that I have and follow you. He walks away and instead of holding on to Jesus, he holds on to his wealth and his status. How many of us follow just like this man and we say, I would rather actually have my status. I would rather actually have great wealth than truthfully have a life that says, I surrender it all to you, Jesus. I surrender it all to you, God. I surrender everything that I have into your hands. What are you holding on to? Are you holding on to the career that you've chosen? Are you holding on to the paycheck that you get? Are you holding on to the the savings that you have racked up? None of these things are bad in themselves. But are you holding on to them more than you're holding on to Jesus? Are you holding on to them more than you're holding on to the path that he is trying to walk you into? Some of the stories that get me excited more than anything else are when people tell me stories and they're like, so I did this wild thing. I heard God telling me to walk in this direction. So I had a little bit of money saved up. It wasn't that much. And I just quit my job to walk out in this space. I know, and I get nervous because then there's always like a sideways somebody who just doesn't like to work. And they're like, so I quit my job. I'm not sure, no. So let me just pastorally say to you that that is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when God is speaking to you, And he's saying, go after this thing. He's saying, I have something bigger for you. And I have something better for you. And I have something that I've put inside of you that I'm trying to wake up. But you can't get to the thing that I've put inside of you because you keep holding on to this, this chair of your wealth. You keep holding on to this chair of a regular paycheck. And if I could just get you to let go of that, I have so much more for you. This man could have been one of the disciples disciples of Jesus. He could have walked around with him and watched him turn water into wine and watch him open blind eyes and see him cause lame people's legs to stand up and walk again. He could have experienced all of that. And he chose a savings account instead. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that God's saying, I have somewhere else for you to walk into? The next one is a man that's sitting by a pool. He's sitting by a pool and he has legs that don't work and he's been sitting there for a long time, waiting for his healing, waiting for something to move, waiting for something to change in his life. And this is a hard place to be in. 
when you're in a place where you feel like I've been waiting for God to move in this space for so long. I've been waiting for God to show up in this place for so long. I've been waiting for this healing. I've been waiting for this family member. I've been waiting for my marriage to turn around. I've been waiting for this thing for so long. And the man has sat there for decades waiting for his miracle. And the God of miracles in flesh comes walking in the room and says to him, do you want to be healed? And the man's response is so interesting. He responds to Jesus and says, I've tried to get to the pool, but I can't ever get there. And sometimes I get close, but somebody else always jumps in in front of me. It's an odd response if you think about it. It's a simple question. Do you want to be healed? Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very much, I would like to be healed. But instead, he responds with excuses. Instead, he responds with the reasons that he can't hold on to the next thing because he has become so used to holding on to his excuses and his reasons. This is a one that I relate to, if I'm honest. I am really good at coming up with really good excuses why something won't work. Mine sound so good, they sound very logical, and they sound very supported, and they sound like, actually, yes, that makes perfect sense why you're unable to participate in that right now, because I have gotten so used to holding on to excuses sometimes, instead of grabbing a hold of faith, instead of grabbing a hold of the thing that Jesus is speaking. Jesus is there with his miracle on a silver platter for this man. He says, here it is. Do you want to be healed? But the man has become so burdened by the the situation of his life. He's become so beaten down by never being able to make it there. He's become so overwhelmed by the space that he's found himself in, so overridden by the pain that he finds himself in, that he's not quite able to let go of the excuses. Where are you holding on to excuses in your life? Where are you holding on to reasons that you can't? Well, I never finished this degree. That's why I can't go after that. Well, you don't know the type of family I grew up in. That's why I can't go after that. Well, you don't know how much I lost in 2020. That's why I can't believe for anything in 2022. You don't know the disappointment that I've experienced. You don't know the pain that I've experienced. You don't know how I came up short. You don't know how my boss is against me. You don't know the racism that I've experienced. You don't know my family dynamics. You don't know the thoughts that go on in my own mind. You don't know the circumstances of my neighborhood. You don't know how difficult it's been for me you don't know so these are my excuses that I hold on to my reasons that I live in smallness my reasons that I live just outside of the miracle that God has for me and Jesus is saying to him do you want to take a hold of something new can you let go of your excuses and can you take hold of something new What excuses are you holding onto? What are you holding 
onto in your day-to-day, on your Tuesday and your Wednesday? What is it that you are holding onto in your life? And then the next one, this one's a tough one. Jesus is out, right? He is out doing his work of the ministry. While he's out doing his work of the ministry, his mother and his brothers come to see him. And as his mothers and his brothers come to see him, some of his disciples say, hey, your mom and your brothers are here and they wanna come talk to you. And Jesus says to them, basically send them away. Tell them I'm busy. Tell them that my family are the people who are following me. My family are the people who are connected to me. And to be honest, depending on what kind of family you grew up in really depends on how that story hits you. Like if you grew up in this awesome, great family with loving, supportive parents, you're like, Jesus, that's tough. That's your mom, right? Now, if you grew up in a family that was kind of crazy and everything wasn't working out, you're like, yes, Lord, tell them to go back to where they came from. How the story hits you really depends on the dynamic and the context of where it is that you came out of when you get there. But what is Jesus saying? Because we also know that Jesus has a high regard for his mother. We also know that he has a high regard for family. I think what Jesus is trying to tell them is that we can't hold on to our relationships, to the places that we have come from more than we are holding on to him, more than we are holding on to the mission that he has sent us on. And I think it's good news on either side. If you grew up in a crazy family where you're going, I do not want my life to look like this. Jesus is saying your life does not have to look like the thing that you experienced before. Your life does not have to look like what you came out of. Your life does not have to sound like the things that you heard growing up. Your life can take on a whole new picture because you can let go of all of the crazy. And you can let go of all of the chaos and you can take hold of a life that is pursuing his love and his joy and his peace and his righteousness. There is something else for you and something new for you. And I know that there are some people that should be glad about that because they can look back and say, there's so much brokenness that I've come from and I don't want to replicate the brokenness and there's so much anxiety where I came from and I don't want to replicate the anxiety and there's so much depression and so much addiction and so much divorce and so much pain and so much never making it and so many unmet dreams and I don't want to replicate any of that and Jesus is saying then just let go of that don't hold on to it that's not your identity and go ahead and grab a hold of something new that he has for you go ahead and grab a hold of something fresh and go after the new thing but if you grew up in a whole family you're like Jesus that's my family what are you saying to me? What are you, what are you talking about to me? And I think what he's saying is that we have to understand that he is calling us into something new. And that sometimes the bind and the bond that can happen in healthy relationships or in, in relationships that are not crazy and in turmoil can still be gripping and preventing us from going after everything he has for us. And sometimes it's so much more subtle because nobody's throwing pots and pans and nobody's screaming and nobody's addicted to stuff that you're like, well, that's obviously a bad life choice. 
but the conversation can still draw you into, why don't you just want to be like us? Why don't you, why, why can't you ever make it to this stuff anymore? Because you always want to go out and, and you always want to meet new people because you're trying to live a life on mission that's reaching somebody who hasn't been reached for the gospel yet. You're trying to connect with people who haven't yet experienced the life-transforming power of Jesus. And yes, we should honor these relationships in both circumstances. We are called to honor. And yes, we should value the people that, came from, that we came from and that support us and the relationships, even outside of our immediate family contact. But sometimes the, the deception in it is so much more subtle because it still says, just, just be with us. Just be here, just stay here. Don't change too much. Don't be too different than the way that we are, how we do things and the way that our family does things. When God called Abraham, if you look in the Old Testament, he says to Abraham, I need you to come out of there. I need you to come away from that so that I can take you into something new, so that I can take you into a fresh place, so that I can take you into your purpose and your destiny and your dreams. And it doesn't mean a complete severing that says I'm never going there, but it means I need to create some healthy boundaries in my life. And I need to create some healthy perspective in my life that says the thing I hold on to, the thing I cling on to is not where I came from, is not how we do it, is not even always my DNA, the thing that I hold on to and the thing that I cling to is Jesus. The thing that I hold on to and the thing that I cling on to is the promises because he is a promise keeper. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? And then in Mark 7, we see this one with the Pharisees. If you don't know about the Pharisees, they were like the religious elite of the day and they had a lot of rules and ways that they thought that things should be done. For me, this is the one that when I read it, it started it all. I started hearing and looking and seeing this. What are you holding on to? Now, when you go back and read it, it says that the Pharisees start asking Jesus about why his disciples aren't washing their hands before a meal. And that seems like a really reasonable question. But what you should know when you read it is that it's not just talking about making sure you get some Purell and sanitize your hands. It's talking about a ritual ceremonial cleansing process that the Pharisees would go through before they went to a meal and they noticed that Jesus and his boys were not going through this whole ceremonial process before they came to the meal. And then it says in this scripture, because the Pharisees were holding on to their traditions. What traditions are you holding on to? They held on. Jesus, God in flesh, was there in front of them. And they were more concerned with holding on to their traditions than they were experiencing him. And traditions is a really big word, and you probably think of grand cathedrals and, and formal things like ceremonial washings, but traditions really are just simply the way that we're used to doing things. How I like things to get done. When we think about traditions, it's just really the way that I came up doing things and the way that I'm comfortable doing things. So what I'm really asking you is, what things are you used to doing that you're holding onto? 
What things are you comfortable 